0: Welcome to the 52nd episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadiel Cartagena speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we have our good friend Jordan Richards from Destination Devi to talk Dynasty risers and fallers through the first five weeks of the NFL season. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. We do have our special guest coming back onto the show again, Jordan Richards from Destination W. Jordan dropped some dimes on us. Uh, last time we talked, he did say Calvin Ridley was his guy and look how that worked out. So Jordan, you're, you're sitting pretty right now, but Jordan, thank you for coming on. Uh, we're talking dynasty risers and fallers today. So as the guest of honor, I will let you kick it off. Um, either riser or a faller, really just whoever you want to start the conversation with let's, let's get it going.
1: So I want to start with Juju Smith Schuster. And, um, I think he's a really easy name to talk about right now. But I do think there is opportunities for both types of players, whether you're a contender, whether you're someone who's out of it. I don't think Juju's a bad player. I just don't think he's going to be the guy in Pittsburgh, right? So it begs the question, what do you do with him? Do you sell him? Do you buy him? And and honestly, I actually just bought him off of Ray in one of our leagues. It cost me quite a bit to get him, but he's not producing and Ray's trying to win. So me, I just lost Dak Prescott, like a lot of people did. So I'm like, okay, let me go get a player who may not be the guy this year, but next year he may find himself on a new team. If he gets re-upped, they have to use him. At that point, they have no choice. So I don't really know what to do with Juju, but if you own him and you're out of it, I think you kind of have to hold him. I don't think selling him is the right course of action, but his stock has to be going down. And I still honestly find it crazy. Some people still view him as a top 12, top 16 wide receiver, when basically he's seeing five targets a game, six targets a game, that's that's not good enough. That's not good enough when Calvin Ridley's going crazy, DK Metcalf's going crazy, AJ Brown just came back off of injury, and he's now had a great first game. And there's plenty of other players that are just getting it done, especially when you look at all the young rookies getting it done. CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Rager's hurt, but coming back, like, it doesn't matter. Justin Jefferson, every first round wide receiver is producing except for Rager, because he's hurt. So Juju, I think right now, if you aren't contending, though, I would say I would go and try and get him on the cheap because people are worried. I think many of owners who bought him last year, the year before are worried about Juju because he's not doing what they want him to do. And so he is my first kind of like buy low candidate, but definitely his stock is way down. I talked about it on uh, another show recently as well, but I appreciate the intro. I thank you guys for having me back on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, as always, um but yeah, with Juju, that's one play I really wanted to touch on today because of what we saw this weekend with Mapletron coming out and looking like the second coming of Calvin Johnson but with dreads this time. And it was it was insane to watch like Tyler, I know you're a Steelers fan, so like you were texting me like, "Oh my god, like Claypool's insane. We hit, we hit, we hit." Like the Steelers hit on this draft pick. Like I don't think Claypool is a fluke by any means. He's been making splash plays left and right and now it like finally came to fruition in one game. So, with Juju, I think the problem with him is I feel like before the season, even if he wasn't re-signed by Pittsburgh, he was going to be re-signing for top dollar and it was going to be like one of the marquee free agency guys. And while a lot of the players have been extended, I just feel like his price overall is just going down because he's pretty much the third best receiver in Pittsburgh right now, at least from what we've seen from Claypool. And I don't I don't want to sound like I'm overreacting there. Just based upon what I've seen, Juju doesn't look like the alpha go-to guy that you were hoping him to be. And they, that, that big, big season that he had a few years ago was volume driven. They were super pass heavy and he was dominating underneath while AB was taking the highly valuable deep intermediate routes. So it's, I don't know. Juju's interesting, but I also would consider trying to trade for him. Like you said, Jordan, because he still is only 23 years old. It feels like he's been in the league for five, six, seven years already. He's only 23 and there's room for him to grow as a receiver and Obviously, if he's not playing in Pittsburgh, he's probably going to be getting a good amount of volume elsewhere. I don't think he's going to get signed to just ride the pine. So it's interesting. I do agree. I think more so if I was rebuilding, I would try to get him. I'm not particularly sure if like what exactly I would give up because I'm just so endeared to these 2021 firsts right now. Like I'm so high on this 21 class, even like the early second round picks. But at that point, I don't know. I feel like it becomes worth it. Um, yeah, Juju definitely, definitely one of the biggest fallers, if not the biggest so far.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree because like the biggest concern with Juju is like, what's going to happen after this season? Like, we really don't know what, what's going to happen with the emergence of Chase Claypool. Like talking about Claypool, I was the first person to watch them draft Claypool. And I was like, what the hell are we doing right now? And like, I kind of went like back and forth throughout the off season, like kind of buying Claypool, selling Claypool. But, um, I mean, ever since he, he's been, like, playing, wh- whenever he's been on the field, like, he has shown up and he's demonstrated his talent. And that's the biggest issue for Juju because, like, if he's balling out right now, like, it become, it makes Juju a lot more expendable in the offseason. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are very cap-strapped. Like, they, they have Ben Roethlisberger on, like, a very large contract. They just re-signed Cam, Cameron Hayward they're due for an extension or TJ Watts due for an extension. So like signing Juju Smith-Schuster to like a, whatever his contract is worth, probably 14 to $16 million a year. Like that may not be something in the cards for the Steelers. And if they don't feel like they have to, I don't think that they will. So there's a lot of question with Juju Smith-Schuster moving forward. And obviously this year, you know, he's getting some touchdown volume, but, he's not getting the target volume that you really expected from him because uh, early on the season, we saw Deontay Johnson getting, I think like 10 targets a game. And now you're seeing when, when Claypool is on the field, like he's still taking away targets from Juju. So it's, it's not, it has not been fun uh, owning Juju Smith-Schuster right now, but like you said, Gadiel, he's only 23 years old and he has a long, a long career ahead of him. So if you are like, if you're kind of rebuilding at the moment, I wouldn't mind selling or buying Juju Smith Schuster because I mean, he, he has his, his knocks and his flaws, but he's still a very, he's a very good receiver. Like he, he's very good contested catch. And, um, with this size, he, he's also pretty good run after catch. He's a very physical receiver. So I think that he can fit in a lot of places. It just, his upside really depends on where he is beyond the season. So, um, Yeah, I think that if you're if you're rebuilding, I think that he's a he's a decent buy with caution, but he's definitely a faller so far.
0: Yeah, big faller. Um, To counterpoint that, we'll talk about Chase Claypool, who in one weekend went from being kind of just a guy that could eventually turn into something to I don't even know what you want to consider him now. Literally, the second coming of Calvin Johnson is the only thing that comes to mind based upon what we saw this past weekend. So, Jordan, I want to ask you this. After seeing what you saw from Claypool, and I don't know where you stood on him in, like, the whole pre-draft evaluation process, I personally was not that high on him. Obviously, I was wrong. But how legit do you think Chase Claypool is for the future? Like, what would you give up in terms of whether rebuilding or contending to try to get a player of the potential that Chase Claypool holds?
1: So I have to admit, I, I didn't like Claypool. I thought he was trash. I thought he was garbage. And then <laughs> the draft comes and he gets drafted by the Steelers. And I don't know if I tweeted this out or not. I believe I did, or at least talked about it on a show somewhere. The problem with the Steelers is you just can't, you can't doubt them. Their evaluation process on receivers, developing them is unlike anything we've seen in recent history. Just go through all the names that have played for the Steelers. They're all great receivers and still producing. When you look at Emmanuel Sanders today, you know, and these are guys that just came through the ranks as not necessarily unknown guys, but they developed on the Steelers and the Steelers made them great. And maybe it's a combination of them. Maybe it's a combination of the Steelers, but you can't ignore them in the draft anymore. James Washington. Yeah, they whiffed on him, but they hit on Deontay. They hit on Claypool. They kind of hit on Juju. And so I think it's hard for me, though, to buy for a first round pick because you look at who's coming in and you see. The first round pick is going to be Waddle, Rondell Moore, Jamar Chase, Rashad Bateman, maybe Devonta Smith. And it's tough for me to buy Claypool over those guys. But if you told me that Juju was gone, they said Claypool's the number one outside and Deontay Johnson is the number two outside. I'd be like, hmm, that's probably worth a first round pick. Like that's that probably is because they will probably see, you know, eight to ten targets every game. And that's production that you want over the unknown of where does Chase go? Where does Bateman go? Where does Etienne go? Where does Najee Harris go? Unless you're in a super flex league and you're trying to get Trevor Lawrence or or Justin Fields. It's, but it is hard. And I didn't really like Claypool, but he's, he's proven me wrong. But now you can't get him for less than the first. There's no way. There's exactly. no way. So that's where I don't like to buy these guys in most cases unless... I like love them. Like unless it was like Terry McLaurin last year after his first game, it's very rare I'm gonna buy a player, especially one that I didn't like in pre-draft. Um, like Brandon Ayuk's another great example. Who's he's playing great, but I'm not I'm not buying him for that first round yeah. pick because I just don't think he's gonna get the volume ever. So I would be those are guys I try to sell. Um, Claypool, I think you kind of have to hold them, but if you're trying to buy him, I think you have to try and buy him for someone who's doing really well, like a Robbie Anderson. Or kind of going back to like my juju trade, I traded, I think Raheem Mostert, uh, Chase Edmonds, and another running back, like a bunch of running backs that because running backs that you don't really need on a non contending roster. So that's the kind of move I like to make trading those non contending style running backs or win now running backs for future assets, especially wide receivers.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, with Claypool, it's just so weird because we I feel like I've never seen this player pretty much go from being like a fringe third option on his passing team to dropping 40 points in one week, and then we'll see what happens next week. So his follow-up performance is going to be big in terms of what his value really is, but I do think he's definitely a riser Uh, for, I mean, obvious reasons. But another player – or actually, I'll go over to Fallers here, and I want to get your guys' opinion on this, but I think pretty much – Every rookie running back outside of Antonio Gibson and James Robinson so far has underwhelmed. So I would consider them all fallers. Not that they're not going to deliver on the value that you previously paid for them, but just the way they've looked like these guys are having the, like the learning curve that we thought the receivers were going to have. The receivers are going batshit crazy. Like these dudes are just eating left and right. Just look insanely good. As you mentioned, Jordan and now you have the running backs where, like, Jonathan Taylor is struggling with vision and Clatter to can't get into the end zone. DeAndre Swift can't do anything other than catch passes. Yeah. JK Dobbins can't even get on the field. Cam Akers has not been healthy. And for all, I mean, he doesn't really look that good when he has been on the field, anyways. This past week, he flashed a little bit, but like, all these guys have been really underwhelming. So I'm considering them followers at this point. I just think. Right now, you can't sell any of these rookie running backs because especially if you drafted like a Swift, Akers, Dobbins, you knew it was going to be a waiting game with them. So hopefully you were patient and you're not panicking at this point and you're okay with them sitting on your bench until they turn into uh, big assets. But considering them fallers, Jordan, which of these guys do you think would be the quickest to gain value of, say, the big five running backs from this past year?
1: The quickest for me is probably still J.K. Dobbins. Um, and it's because he was the highest priced asset who wasn't really the incumbent starter. Like, I don't I know Mike Clay tweeted about it early in the offseason. He was like, Why are people drafting J.K. Dobbins so high? He's not gonna play. Like he's legitimately not gonna play. And the Baltimore Ravens have no reason to use him. Obviously, Gus Edwards is a headache for fantasy owners, but he's a producer on the field for the Ravens. So why are they gonna put in J.K. Dobbins other than to catch passes, which he's done really well. And as far as the other guys, you know, you look at J.T. Um, Wisconsin's a tricky system. Like it's it's not like the NFL. So I'm not entirely surprised by this. Of course, I love J.T. I think he's an excellent running back. But you look at Melvin Gordon. He's the direct comparison to J.T. As far as that transition from Wisconsin to the NFL, and Melvin Gordon struggled in his first season. So to kind of like write off J.T., I'm not really there yet. And I, and I don't think Clyde has fallen too far. Obviously, the Le'Veon Bell news might change some things as far yeah, as his value waiting. goes. We're
0: refreshing Twitter as we speak. <laughs>
1: So we'll see how that goes as far as this pod, but I just think acres because Sean McVay has used a bell cow. He's didn't really say whether or not he wanted to, but I do think that he's going to be a great asset in the future for that offense. It just may take him longer because Henderson has looked good. And, um, I think he's kind of the biggest, but Swift is the one I'm worried about. Um, he's probably the cheapest and the easiest one to buy, but he's just not on the field enough for me at all right and no one ahead of him other than ap but he should be getting ahead of him
0: i'm really hoping they get rid of matt patricia sooner rather than later because i feel like once they get a new coach in there and like a maybe a young fresh mind i'm not really sure who they're going to go for um for all i care they could bring back jim caldwell he did a fine job with the uh, the lions but just get anyone in there that i understand adrian peterson i guess he looks good like it's not that he looks like a bad running back but you have to work with the rookies and try to get these guys involved because it's not only DeAndre Swift. It's TJ Hawkinson, too, who could be George Kittle 2.0, and they're letting him sit on the bench and not really get all the targets that he should be getting and be the number two passing option in that offense. Um, yeah, Tyler, how are you feeling about rookie running backs as a whole? And which one are you most worried about?
2: Yeah, regarding the lines, I feel like everyone's really underwhelmed as far as like uh, fantasy production besides Kenny Galladay when he's been on the field. There, so it's definitely it sucks having um Matt Patricia there, still at, at head coach, and uh Darren Bavel as their offensive coordinator, because like I don't know, all these guys are kind of underwhelming right now. Uh with Zach Moss, I, I don't think you guys mentioned him. He had a I think a receiving touchdown week one, but besides that, like he's been inactive, I think, the past like two or three weeks. Like he is just not getting on the field whatsoever. Like Devin Singletary has completely taken over that backfield and it's it's disappointing because we're talking about Zach Moss in the offseason as a guy that could really like uh surpass Devin Singletary, get like the most valuable touches in the offense, like the goal line carries and the pass catching work. So uh Zach Moss has been probably the most it's a disappointing amongst all to these be fair guys. With
0: Zach Moss. I'm pretty sure it was a toe injury, I wanna say that he's been yeah, struggling he with. Hurt. But to to your point, he has looked uh underwhelming. There was a video of him on the goal line against the Jets where it was like a wide open hole to the right. And he ran straight into his offensive lineman and he didn't score. And Josh Allen ended up punching it in.
1: But uh, yeah, he's 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 not good. (laughs) I I think that's just what it comes down to. He's not good. You know, like um, there's a lot of people, not a lot of people, but there is few people who really like Zach Moss. And I think we're seeing that he doesn't have the skills to be a starting running back in the NFL. And Singletary has always been better than him. I, you could see that on this college tape. Yeah. But some people did believe they believed he could be the Frank Gore role. And, but I just don't think he's good enough. I never have. Yeah. I would be that's one of those people. That's why he wasn't really even in consideration for me because he's just, I never thought he was good enough.
0: Yeah. I would be one of those people. I actually made a video on Zach Moss. I thought he was like a good power back and that's what he could amount to in the NFL. But I did say, to be fair, just to cover my own back here. Um, I did say Devin Singletary was better. He would be better. And Zach Moss would be like a 10 to 12 touch guy, but obviously that's not happening yet. It looks like motors improved in the areas where he kind of was struggling and now he's getting the work and we'll see if Le'Veon Bell signs there. That'll just kill everything for Devin Singletary. But, uh, I don't know. Le'Veon Bell is going to kill someone. It's going to make someone really angry and I don't know where he's going to go. I, I really don't, but we'll see. Hopefully we get the notification while we are recording. Oh, the Clippers just signed Ty Lu to be their Yeah. Head coach. So that's cool. Um, NBA news there. Um, but it's not the Miami heat. So I don't really care. um, Yes. So more risers and fallers, uh, Tyler riser.
2: I think one of the most obvious ones, as far as risers has got to be CD lamb, who has completely overtaken the, the slot role in this offense for the Dallas Cowboys. And not only is he like, is he showing out? Like he's getting a lot of volume from Dak Prescott and he got some when Andy Dalton got into the field. So I think that, you know, he, he just looked very polished. Like all these, all these receivers in general, they just look a lot more comfortable in like in their offenses, like in the league right now, compared to the running backs, which is kind of crazy to say because we usually see the running backs or the rookie running backs coming onto the scene first, and we see the the receivers kind of struggling at first. But CeeDee Lamb has definitely been atop all the the rookie receivers and has kind of uh just vaulted himself up to like probably like top 10 uh dynasty receivers, possibly like top five. Just because, like, you know what you're gonna get with him, like moving forward, like he's in a very potent offense. With after this year, he's still gonna have Dak Prescott, Andy Dalton's receiver or the quarterback right now, but he's still very competent, and he's known to, to to target the slot receiver. We saw that with Tyler Boyd the past couple of seasons, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I love what I'm seeing from CeeDee Lamb right now. Um, he's co- clearly the most uh, talented rookie receiver right now and he's displaying that on the Dallas Cowboys. So, um, he's definitely a guy that uh, has risen a lot th- uh, throughout the season and I'm I'm very high on him moving forward.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's one thing about CD that's crazy is just like you look at even where he was drafted. I believe he was drafted in you know wide receiver 15, 16 in Dynasty. And he's still returning value, you know, like he was a guy who you weren't sure what you're going to get, but we know how talented he is. And yet still, we have no issues with him. He's he's unattainable now. He's a two-first, three-first, like I'm not ever trading him kind of guy. And going forward, it's hard to value him because I almost think that he could potentially be overvalued because we don't know if Dak's going to be back. We don't know who the quarterback is. Is that system going to remain the same and how is CD going to transition from the slot to outside? Because obviously in the slot, he is, he is unfair. No slot corner can guard CD lamb. It's, it's not even close, but when he goes outside, I know he'll be great, but is he overvalued today to where he may have a buy opportunity when he moves outside has to see better corners and that transition starts to happen. I'm not sure, but I do think CD lamb is head and shoulders. The best receiver in this draft class always has been always will be. And it's it's not even close. He's just he's so, so talented. And he's shown it every single week in that offense.
0: Yeah, I, I'm the biggest CD guy. I've loved him from the minute he stepped onto Oklahoma's campus. Like he was so talented. It's like DeAndre Hopkins and Alvin Kamara had a love child and they put it at receiver. And it's just super, super fun to watch. I love CD. And right now, I think like I mean, at least pacing it out to 16 games um, on pace for 128 targets, 93 receptions. 1,386 yards and six touchdowns and the touchdowns could start coming. Um, I feel like they haven't really like Cedric Wilson has like three touchdowns for the Cowboys right now. And that could easily flip flop like that. But it, it, like this could be, I mean, I don't have the stats up on the best rookie seasons of all time. Could we be witnessing the best rookie receiver season of all time right now? Because that's almost what it feels like, like game in and game out. Like CD is, just he's consistent and he's, he's there every single game. It's he doesn't miss. And b- like you said, Jordan, being in the slot obviously helps him a lot. Like, I think if, if you can get like top five wide receiver value for him right now in dynasty, I wouldn't say like, it's not like a clear sell to me, but I wouldn't fault someone for trading him away. Um The only player that I think is like maybe a higher or quicker riser than him would be like DK Metcalf who has quickly cemented himself as like Zeus. That's the only thing that i can compare him to right now he's just insane and both of these guys are just taking the league by storm right now i love to see it these are both players that i really really liked um of the two dk or cd which would you rather have in dynasty
1: that's that's tough because i was actually going to ask you guys next after we kind of got off CD is where would you rank dk because i honestly it's it's so hard for me to put a spot on it you think about adams you think about thomas you think about DK, even CD, if you want to throw him that high, I don't know if I can throw him that high. I'd probably still take DK um, just because we've seen what he can do. He has the better quarterback right now, um, especially for his skill set. You know, Russell Wilson's is the best deep ball passer in the league. So there's that, but I don't know how many guys I would take over DK. Like I saw a poll on Twitter where I think it was like 54% Hopkins over DK. And That's really hard because Hopkins is so good, but I think it's kind of like a dynasty philosophy thing is how do you view your teams? Do you view your teams in a long-term? And by long-term, I mean like six, seven years, Mm -hmm. because if you do, I think you're kind of making a mistake and that's why it's hard to take a guy like Hopkins or Adams over DK because they'll probably perform at the same rate over the next three to four seasons. And how many dynasty leagues do you guys know? I mean, maybe you guys aren't in dynasty that much like, like I am, but Dynasty leagues don't always last three to four seasons because people drop out, people do whatever they got to do. The leagues fold, and it's it's hard to look at Dynasty beyond a three- to four-year landscape, and I don't think Adams or Hopkins or Thomas are going to fall off in the next two, three, four years. So while I love DK, I think he's amazing, I don't know if I could put him over those guys because I think they're just going to see more volume. Like, they're all clearly going to see more volume than dk will dk is just extremely efficient which probably won't change but you got to take volume over efficiency in most cases
2: yeah yeah my thing with dk is that he's strapped with uh russell wilson for at least the next three seasons i think that you can make the argument for um choosing him over deandre hopkins but it's it's tough because like deandre hopkins obviously stud he just uh he just got implemented into this this uh, Cardinals offense, which is ascending right now. And some of us weren't really high on the car or, uh, DeAndre Hopkins with the Cardinals, but he's getting so much volume; it's it's hard to it's so difficult to ignore. But um, I think that DK Metcalf ranking him, I think that you got to you got to put him top four because what is he twenty two years old and he's like I said, he's strapped with Russell Wilson for the next three years, and they're I mean. If he continues on this trajectory, like they can't really let it like let him go after this. So um yeah, I, I really see DK Metcalf as the top four dynasty receiver. And despite how much I love CeeDee Lamb, I would definitely take DK Metcalf over him moving forward.
0: Yeah, I I think I'd agree with that. And Jordan, to answer your question, I think I would actually take DK over a guy like Devontae Adams just for the fact that Devontae Adams has not really been able to play like a full 16 game season for whatever reason it may be. I'm not saying he's injury prone. I don't believe too much in like the injury prone label, but for some reason he just has not been able to play a full 16. And that concern also has been there for DK, especially in college with like a neck surgery. That's a big deal. Um, that does scare me a little bit, but at the end of the day, when you're playing with Russell Wilson, you are as athletically and physically dominant as DK is. And now he's starting to understand the nuance of playing receiver like the, the wake up call for me was not even beating uh, Stefan Gilmore on the deep route was, it was like the 12 yard, like little comeback stop route on the left side where he just got him off the, like got him off the line. And then he was able to hand fly a little bit and create like three to four yards of separation on a stop route. Like that was super, super impressive against the league's best. And I'm glad we got to see that early on in the season. So you, it was a, kind of like a DK is here to stay kind of moment. And that's pretty much all I needed to see and he's obviously not underwhelmed but I don't think I'm taking DeAndre or uh, DK over DeAndre Hopkins because of like Tyler said some people thought he wouldn't be as good I would be one of those people I thought he was gonna maybe take a step back in this Cardinals offense I was wrong DeAndre Hopkins has taken a step forward in this Cardinals offense he is everything you want in three of his first five games with the Cardinals so like the rapport isn't even completely there he's seen 151 yards, 137 yards, and 131 yards. So three games over 130 yards in his first game, and Kyler Murray's still getting better. Cliff Kingsbury still sucks as a play caller, but he'll eventually get better at some point, and they'll start to figure things out as an offense. Like DeAndre Hopkins' ceiling is just unreal, and the floor is pretty much a top ten wide receiver every single week. Like this guy is pretty much, in my opinion, and I have not been the biggest DeAndre Hopkins fan. Throughout his time in the NFL. Um, obviously he's been a top five receiver, but I was kind of like one of the people that had him around like three or four instead of like one or two. And I mean, he's making a case to be the best receiver in the NFL right now. As much as I love Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins is just Mr. Consistent and he's doing everything you want to do. I think he's taking a step forward in terms of run after catchability. So I really like DeAndre Hopkins as well. Um, I'll take DeAndre Hopkins over DK. Um, Michael Thomas remains to be seen, um, with the quarterback situation and whatnot, but he's just so talented. He's another guy that maybe he takes a step forward without Drew Brees, not saying Drew Brees is holding him back, but there's only a certain amount of routes that you can run with Drew Brees right now. And Michael Thomas is one of the best route runners in the league. Maybe he can do more. I don't think anyone's really asking that question, but based upon what we've seen from Michael Thomas, I'll probably take Michael Thomas ahead of DK. So he's in like that three, two ish range right there with Thomas for me. Uh, taking a huge step forward, big, big riser so far. I know in like a couple of dynasty leagues that I'm in, I got him in like the fourth and in one league, I think in the fifth round in a startup this off season. So really happy with that. Obviously um, I want to talk some tight end here. And I was just looking at stats last night, kind of getting ready for this podcast. And there's, there's two guys that really stood out to me. And one was Johnny Smith because obviously Johnny Smith has taken the league by storm. He has five touchdowns over 200 yards and whatnot. And the other guy that I want to talk about is Noah Fant. Actually, Noah Fant has quietly done the same exact thing that Jonu Smith has done, but with three less touchdowns. So they have – I'll pull up the stats right now because I posted a tweet about it last night. But I'm going to stall time here. Okay, here we go. Jonu Smith, through four games played, uh, Smith and Fant. Jonu is at 27 targets, 18 catches, 221 yards, and five touchdowns. And Noah Fant is at 27 targets, 19 catches, 219 yards, and two touchdowns. So right now, in terms of what I think each player brings to the table, I actually still think Noah Fant is a better player. I think he's a – I don't think there's many tight end building blocks uh, in Dynasty, but I think he's someone that really should be targeted as one of those players that can elevate into that, like, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey type area because of the way he's being used, because of – the way that Pat Shermer has been using him. And he's on pace for over 100 targets this year. And I don't know, Pat Shermer to me has done a good job. I think he stays in Denver for the foreseeable future. So with Noah Fant, I'm really, really excited about his outlook moving forward. And I want to get both of your opinions on Jonu Smith and Noah Fant as like, which one would you prefer and whatnot in Dynasty, Redraft, and pretty much everything, yeah.
1: So to kind of jump in here, I think I would take Fant. Over Johnny right now. Um, I do like Johnny a lot though. I think he's supremely talented, and I think he fits that offense really well. Because when you think about how we see the NFL today, when you see teams running those play action passes, a lot of times when they don't have too many wide receivers, they go after the tight end. You look at Hunter Henry, you look at kind of what the Rams do with Tyler Higby. It's that play action. Um, the Eagles, especially, do that a ton on play action with Zach Hurts and Dallas Goddard. But People need to remember that Noah Fant was that dude in college. Like, he was the next Rob Gronkowski. He was rated much higher than TJ Hawkinson. People didn't even know who TJ Hawkinson was until his last year at Iowa. And I think that now we're seeing out of Noah Fant, he's the more athletic, he is the receiving option, and he could still be the number one option, even when Corlin Sutton comes back. And I, as much as I like Corlin Sutton, I do think that Noah Fant could really just be that dude. Like, he's that talented. And we haven't seen a whole lot from him because he's been dealing with a bit of injuries, but I truly believe that he could be the number one option in Denver at worst case, the number two. And I don't know how it's going to play out with Jerry Judy and Sutton, but I I don't think Noah Fand is going anywhere. I'm not worried about volume. I think he's going to get everything he deserves because he's that talented at tight end. And for John, it's it's just a matter of system. He fits the system so well. Uh, Hopefully he gets re-signed there because think about just him and AJ Brown as the two main options. That's plenty of volume for both those guys to go around and to play with Tannehill for the next three to four years, and you have to love that. And you see kind of how the tight ends are looking right now. There's not a whole lot of sure things, but Janu and Fant and probably Gasicki are three guys that are coming up right now, and they should see targets for the foreseeable future.
2: I 100% agree with the Noah Fant uh, decision because, like you said, he he is just ridiculously talented, and he has a, still has a clear path. To be the number one target in this offense, not only this year, but moving forward. I don't think you can say the same with Johnny Smith because, one, um, he's a free agent after the season. I didn't even know that until uh, you kind of mentioned it. I looked it up just now. But even if he does resign in Tennessee, I think that we still look at A.J. Brown as the bona fide number one moving forward. But um, with Noah Fan, he definitely has the upside to. Um, to be the number one. And I think that the Broncos offense in general, I think that they could become more pass heavy than the Titans moving forward because like the the Titans offense is built around Derrick Henry overall. Like that's just how it is. And I think that the Broncos offense moving forward is going to be more well rounded. Like they'll have whatever running back they have in the backfield. They have, they're going to have a solid offensive line, but they still have guys on the outside, Jerry, Judy, Cortland son, and, Drew Locke, who has um, shown that he can still air it out. So, um, yeah, I definitely like Noah Fant. I think that them two are neck and neck in, in um, redraft moving forward. And I think that in Dynasty, I, I I take Noah Fant comfortably.
0: Yeah, with Noah Fant, I just it, like I had to think about it last night because some dude commented on an Instagram post and he's like, hey, someone dropped Noah Fant. Should I drop Hayden Hurst to pick him up? And like, oh yeah, literal no oh, name yeah. to me. But yeah, I'm I'm just happy Fant is kind of showing out. I really like him a lot. Um, another player I want to talk about is a riser, and this is due to the fact that the quarterback change happened quicker than people expected, and the volume has been there to this point. And that is one of my favorite receivers in the NFL, Mr. Route Technician, maybe the best route running in NFL. I know Calvin Ridley's really giving him a run for his money right now. But that is Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen has taken a huge step forward for me in both redraft and dynasty. He's he got resigned. So he's in there for the long term. He's in there for the long haul with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is targeting him like crazy. 192 target pace through his first three starts, I believe. Um, obviously, that took a step back with him getting hurt against the Saints. But you saw the touchdown. You see Herbert airing it out. And Herbert looks like the real deal. And if Keenan Allen's going to be his best receiver for the foreseeable future, this dude is probably going to be a tire, not a tight end one, uh, a top 15 wide receiver um, on any given year, regardless of what the situation may be, who's there, who isn't on around them. As long as it's Herbert and Allen, I think Keenan Allen is going to be the real deal. He's going to keep being that volume driven receiver that we've seen. I was personally fading Keenan Allen in redraft because I thought Tyrod Taylor would play a lot of the year. I didn't like Justin Herbert that much, and I was wrong. Once again, I, that's a common theme throughout this episode. I was wrong about a ton of shit this offseason. But, I mean, I guess it happens. Adjust the process. We'll be back. And I can guarantee you I will not miss on Travis Etienne, but we can talk about that a little bit later. But, yeah, Keenan Allen for me is one of the biggest risers. I'm a huge, huge fan of him going forward. And he's, for my money's worth, I think probably one of the best buys you can get on a contender – because he's someone that's not going to just have one year value. I think Keenan or Adam Thielen is probably someone that's closer to having like one year value. I think Keenan Allen is like for the next three years, at least is going to be a top 15 guy. And I'm really, really excited about it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, to your point, the other guy to add into the mix is Stefan Diggs. You know, those are the two Ooh, guys yes. that were falling a lot this off season, especially in dynasty, because people were like, "All oh, they're, we're not sure about their quarterback situations. Diggs obviously changing teams to the run heavy Buffalo. And then you look at Keenan Allen having to deal with Tyrod Taylor and who everyone, and you're not alone. I I didn't think Justin Herbert was that good either, but it was kind of like a general sentiment and it just pushed all their value down. But I do totally agree with you that now that Keenan got re-signed, he's definitely an option for this offense in the long term. I am a little bit worried about how Mike Williams will kind of eat into his work, but there should be plenty to go around. And I think this says so much more about how good Justin Herbert has been than how good Keenan Allen is because we always knew how good he was he's been a wide receiver one for like the past two or three years maybe even longer than that for for my money but yeah if you're talking about one of the best route runners one of the best slot receivers in the NFL he's not, he's a number one wide receiver 150 targets like he's he's the real deal what it will cost you to buy him though is interesting like i've declined keenan for like my own personal first that'd be a late first and it's just because i have a really good roster but Definitely. Yeah. If you could, if you can buy Keenan, cause I don't think his price is as high as people think he is. People think he's old. People think he's kind of washed, even though the targets are there. It's just, if you're not contending and you're trying to sell him, I would definitely wouldn't sell low cause he can still produce. But I do think there is a buying opportunity for Keenan because it's just, he's not really there right now. The value isn't there. And I think it's going to keep going down kind of like a Julio Jones, but worse.
2: Yeah. What's interesting with Keenan Allen is that, or Keenan Allen and Diggs is that, you know they're kind of in similar situations with Josh Allen and Justin Herbert as their quarterbacks, who I think that could be comparable because they're kind of they're they're rocket arm guys, like they're big, very good athletes. They they have uh, big arms, but they're they're kind of uh, raw uh, as far as uh, passers. And I feel like Justin Herbert is very comparable to Josh Allen as a rookie, except he has Keenan Allen and Mike Williams as his uh, receivers right now. When Josh Allen had what, Zay Jones. Zay Jones, exactly. So, yeah, I think uh, with Keenan Allen, he definitely has value moving forward because, like you said, he's locked in with the Chargers, and Justin Herbert's going to continue to improve, especially in the short to intermediate uh, routes. And, like, his his play style ages pretty well. Like, he's a, he's a route runner. He's not very reliant on his speed. He more so just beats people with uh, agility and just, like, being – a great route runner. So um, yeah, I, I really like Keenan Allen moving forward. Some people may value him uh, kind of low because he's what 28 29 right now. But um, I mean, if we're looking like three, three or four years uh, moving forward, like, he's going to be perfectly fine. He's a guy that can be uh, a wide, at least a, a wide receiver two at the very least moving forward and definitely has wide receiver
0: one upside, especially in the next two years. Yeah, he's only 28 years old. Like, he just turned 28. I think there's, like, a weird – like, Phillip Rivers was the one that was washed. Keenan Allen is nowhere near being washed. So, um, I'm I'm loving Keenan Allen. And to your guys' point, Stephon Diggs is just crazy to me what's going on with him. But he is literally – he could finish as the league leader in receiving yards this year with how consistent he's being targeted, the type of targets he's getting, and, like, the type of yardage he's putting up. I like, I don't know the exact numbers, but I feel like he's gone over at like 75 yards each game with like some boom games here and there. And maybe the bills don't throw as much throughout the season, but at this point who knows, because I didn't expect them to come out and run like four wide, like spread out shotgun offense with Josh Allen just slinging it up and down the field and it's working. So like <laughs> Stefan Diggs, just a crazy revelation to me. I did not see this coming in the slightest. And good for him. I like the talent of Stephon Diggs, so it does make me happy. But it's just I really missed on this. And I did not even consider the fact that the Bills could become more pass heavy with Stephon Diggs. I just thought it would come at the expense of like Cole Beasley and John Brown. No, they added in Stefan Diggs completely to this offense without really taking away from anybody else. Um, yeah, so both those guys, uh, big risers as well. And a team that has a riser and a follower that I want to talk about which is kind of a hot topic right now the Carolina Panthers. So obviously DJ Moore, my preseason darling has come out and just been a wide receiver too at best. And Robbie Anderson, the guy who we kicked to the curb uh, come out and he's, he's a top 10 guy right now. And he, he looks every bit of the part. It's not coming in the touchdown department. It is not fluky. It is coming off of usage and production in yardage and targets and receptions. And that's pretty much what you want in fantasy. So we were kind of talking about this and the, the little break we had between uh meetings and Robbie Anderson is the one that you really should be looking to acquire if you're a contender because he's undervalued and I'm not really sure what exactly you're giving up for him um maybe better off trading him for like a younger player more as opposed to a pick but Robbie Anderson looks every bit of legit he's out of the Adam Gase offense and he's playing with his guy Matt Rule and he's playing with Joe Brady And he's on pace for like over 1,500 yards. So what's the most you would be willing to give up, whether it's a player or a pick in Dynasty, for a player like Robbie Anderson, especially if you are contending this year and you're lacking that, say, wide receiver three or wide receiver two that can be a consistent floor play like Robbie Anderson is this year?
1: Well, I think for me, it's it's you start with a first. Um, you want to try and entice people with a first, say, "Oh, why would you want Robbie Anderson? You can have Rashad Bateman, you can have Rondell Moore, you can have Jamar Chase. Like, all these guys may not fall, you know, depending on where your pick is. But I think it's really easy to make the case to get Robbie for a first. And if you need to throw in a third to get it done, I'm cool with that. If you need to throw a third and a fourth to get it done, I'm cool with that. But you talking? We're talking about a guy who is right now, I believe he's third in receiving yards with almost 500, just behind. DK Metcalf and DeAndre Hopkins, he is fifth or is that sixth in targets? Six, he's like wide receiver nine in PPR. He's, it's like insane. It doesn't even make any sense how good this guy is doing because <laughs> you just didn't expect it, and it's it's really funny because I wrote an article about Robbie Anderson that never ended up getting published saying that you know he could he could be good like not necessarily he could be the guy he could be the best wide receiver in football but like he he is a good receiver and they're using him the way we expected Curtis Samuel to be used but I think there's something to be said about playing in that system kind of understanding it more than DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel did and that's one of the reasons why he's getting those targets and maybe that's why Matt Rule brought him in we kind of made a fuss about it in the fantasy industry but when you go in and you're a new coach, you want to bring in guys that know your system that know you. On top of that, if they get it, they know the system, you're gonna have faith in them to deliver for you. So, as much as we like DJ Moore, if Matt Rule trusts he trusts Robbie Anderson, Robbie Anderson's getting the ball. That that's it. That's that's all that needs to be said about it. There's not anything else. And so you look at DJ Moore and kind of like we like you were hinting at how his value is really dropping right now. I still think he's a buy low because this offense is gonna throw a ton, but when you think about DJ Moore still priced higher than Robbie Anderson is as crazy as that is to say, it's, it's closer than maybe we think it is. You know, Robbie's been that good. He's been that good. And if you can get him for a first and you're a contender, I think people would take it, especially if their team is bad. And I think you're getting a good value for a guy who's really producing in fantasy. And it could be for the next, you know, two or three years, depending on who their quarterback is, but that defense might get a little bit better. But they're still going to pass a lot. They're still going to use Christian McCaffrey. He's still going to use DJ Moore. But when Robbie's the leading target on that offense, I want a piece of that as much as I can.
2: 100%. And I think that when you're comparing Robbie Anderson to DJ Moore, I think it may depend on the state of your team. Because if you're a guy that's kind of in a rebuilding mode, you you definitely would want to target a guy like DJ Moore. Because like you said, he's not producing at the level that any of us thought he would. I think that he was a like an early third round pick, maybe even second round pick. In uh dynasty startups, and he's playing like what a top, like I don't know what he's ranked at right now, 25th and
0: half PPR, yeah,
2: 25th. So, barely like not even a top 20 or a wide receiver two in in 12 team leagues. But I still see a lot of upside for DJ Moore because it's not, it has nothing to do with the talent with DJ Moore. Like, if he was getting looks, he would be a wide receiver one, no doubt in my mind. But uh, I think that's what it is. Like, it's just the looks that they're getting or that he's not getting. So I think moving forward, he could definitely be more incorporated into the offense, and I think that you know it's it's been more of a learning curve for DJ Moore because, uh, like you said, Robbie Anderson was a bit more acclimated into the offense because him and Matt Rule did. Uh, well, Robbie Anderson played under Matt Rule in at uh, Temple or Temple, at Temple. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Um, so yeah, they they have experience together, and uh, I believe Teddy Bridgewater was with the Jets uh during uh, when Robbie Anderson was there so um was
0: he with the Jets
2: yeah Bridgewater spent like I think I want to say a training camp with the Jets literally a training camp and then he he got traded to the Saints
0: oh yeah that was like one of the few good moves the Jets actually made I remember that 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 was funny yeah it was I think
2: they would have had him in their uh on their team for maybe like three months or whatever and then traded him but um I mean, anything helps. That's more than what DJ Moore got with uh, a shortened training camp and whatever. But um, yeah, I think moving forward, it could be... You know, like I said, like if you're if you're a contender, you should probably target Robbie Anderson over DJ Moore. If not, then the otherwise. But I really think that uh, DJ Moore could be more acclimated into the offense moving forward. I think that he's going to continue to get more comfortable I think the second half of the season he could really uh turn up for the the Panthers.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I wanted to get to because obviously like personally at least I believe DJ Moore is the more talented player here. No disrespect to Robbie Anderson. What he's doing is fantastic. I mean, he has except for one game where he only had 55 yards being shadow covered by Casey Hayward and Chris Harris Jr. and Desmond King against the Chargers, he's had 114, 109, 99, 112 and he only has one touchdown on the year. So just insane consistency from Robbie Anderson pretty much like a guaranteed 15 points in PPR leagues right now which is exactly what you want but my question is do you think this is the perfect time to maybe try to sell Robbie or is this what we should expect throughout the entire year does DJ Moore kind of bridge that gap at all over the next 11 games to the point where by the end of the season we're talking is DJ Moore about as a wide receiver one or we're talking at Robbie Anderson as the new wide receiver, one of the Panthers for the entire 16 games, not just the first five.
1: At least in my opinion, I think it's more likely that they just see a bit of a consolidation in those targets, right? I don't think that necessarily DJ is going to get targets at the expense of Robbie. I think they may just get a little bit closer in targets. Like if Robbie's getting eight to 10 targets, maybe DJ can kind of raise his, his game there. And one thing, like you mentioned, right with DJ Morris, he's still getting the air yards and air yards are very indicative of receiving yards and fantasy points. And he's one of, I think, nine players who are over 40% of the team's air yards, which is insane. Robbie's not even close to that because he gets the ball and he keeps running. But DJ Moore is getting, he's getting the more valuable targets, more targets down the field, right? And that's what air yards talk about is how far are those targets? What's your average depth of target? All those different things. And DJ Moore checks all those boxes. So there definitely could be a more to come. As a little bit of a pun there, <laughs> but <laughs> d- definitely, definitely DJ is still he's still highly valued. And to your point about selling Robbie, I don't I don't think that in any circumstance I could sell him. Um unless someone really wowed me with like a first and a second or two first, something crazy like that. Yeah. Because if you have Robbie Anderson, your team is probably doing very well. You're probably, you know, three and two, four and one, five and oh, because he's a guy who you drafted in the 10th, 12th round, and he's playing like a first-round pick. So Unless you botch the rest of your draft and your team sucks, or you drafted Saquon Barkley and Julio Jones and everyone's injured, then your team is probably doing really well. So for me, at least, I'd be holding Robbie. Um, I do have him in in quite a few spots because I was a believer in him. And so I'm not selling him. I'm still holding him. But as far as DJ goes, if you can get him in redraft or you can get him in dynasty, I think you have to make a movie. Still highly priced. But I said the same thing about AJ Brown when he was hurt. I bought him for two firsts and didn't feel any way about it because I knew once he came back, he'd be full go and look at him. His first game, he sees 11 targets. He has 88 yards or like 80 something yards and a touchdown. So it's, there are these opportunities when players aren't performing and not doing well. And the thing for DJ is just, he's not the one. It's not that he's not performing. It's not that he's not good enough. He's just not the one. Yeah. And it might switch like you're saying, but I just think there is room for both these guys to eat. And so that's why I wouldn't necessarily sell Robbie, but I would still buy DJ.
0: Yeah, I think for the rest of the year, they'll both be like top 20 guys. Um, Tyler, sorry to cut you off here, but there's one player that I really, really want to talk about, and that's two rookie running backs, technically speaking, but we'll get we'll do one and then the other first. Um, the first, which is maybe the biggest riser in all of fantasy football, he was literally sitting on everyone's waiver wire, unless you're one of like 10 people who on the Twitter sphere were just super accurate on this and were highly in on James Robinson the entire time uh you he was picked up in your league and someone got insane value to the point where you could sell James Robinson for 2021 first uh I don't know where we stand on it this week but I know like two weeks ago it was like what are you selling James Robinson for and like people were saying like mid 2021 first or James Robinson and James Robinson would win that poll and it's it's crazy to say but James Robinson really has been arguably the biggest riser in all of fantasy football this year and he's a rookie and it, it doesn't look fluky to me he's really really good um Okay, I've seen some people throw some crazy shit out there like he's Arian Foster. I don't think he's Arian Foster, but he's good. He's a good football player, and I really like the way he plays football. But at the same time, this is another player that I will ask. Because of the undrafted draft capital and whatever, and kind of the way the Jaguars are trending, I don't know if he's – there to stay the long haul he probably should be but maybe they get a chance at a running back slipping in like the second round maybe they get like a journey brown or something like that and then James Robinson turns into dust so would you trade right now uh, whether you're contending or not contending what what would you look to try to get for James Robinson because you got waiver wire that turned into gold now are you going to try to milk as much value out of that as you can are you going to try to sell high and just sit on your draft pick and go back to what your team looked like before you had James Robinson as a starter?
1: At least for me, I would be selling him. I'd have no problem selling him. And are you telling me that you didn't draft James Robinson in the fourth round of your (laughs) dynasty rookie draft like I did? Um, Did It's funny because I only have one share of him that I actually drafted, and I drafted him in, like, the fifth round, and it's on a team that my, like, running backs are, like, completely loaded. I have CMC, I have Chubb, I have Zeke, I traded for Miles Sanders, and then I traded for Leonard Fournette. But so I have like all these guys, but of course now two of them are hurt and I'm like trying to piece me together. I'm like, Oh, James Robinson on my taxi squad. Awesome. Just throw him in my lineup and, and watch him go. But I, I do think that you should be trying to trade him away because as much as I think that Philip Lindsay is a great running back, he is never been given the opportunity to be a starting running back. No matter what we've seen from during a season, the next season comes and it's, Maybe it's Royce Freeman. Then next year, maybe it's Melvin Gordon. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And I do think with the Jaguars in such an influx as far as their talent and potentially their management goes, there could be a lot of changes just beyond what we see from this one player. Like people can believe in Gardner Minshew. He's not going to be the quarterback there next year. I can almost guarantee it. So why do we think James Robinson is going to be the running back when they're going to have a different quarterback? More than likely, they could have a different head coach. They could have a different GM. And we don't know where that team is going. So that's the only reason why I want to try and check that value and get it, especially when you talk about selling a guy you may have got off waivers for a first round pick. That's something you want to do um, because more than likely he's going to fall in value or he's going to be worth less than that. So that's, that's the, just the main philosophy there. You want to sell him while you can, unless you really need him because your team is injured like one of my teams is. Um, I do think I want to try and milk that value because it's so rare you get an opportunity like this. And so you have to try and take advantage of that. And then you want to build that into future capital, like a Rashad Bateman, Jamar Chase, Chuba Hubbard, one of these running backs who is going to get the draft capital, who will be more likely here to stay in dynasty and fantasy. We're not talking about sure things. We're talking about probabilities and hit rates and James, James Robinson, as much as he did hit, not all hits are created equal, but if you can get a guy who has an even better chance to hit and last, that's an opportunity you probably want to take.
2: I a hundred percent agree with this. Um, you know, with James Robinson, he really came onto the scene. I think as of, uh, before week five, he was ranked as like a running back six or seven. So, uh, if you were, if you were someone that owned him and you were looking to trade him, like people that, that were looking to trade him would kind of ignore what is going on after the season. So I think that the best opportunity to sell him high was, uh, last week, uh, moving forward. I think that he could still have big weeks and you could still sell him, but, um, yeah, I think the biggest reason in selling him is, is the uncertainty behind the season. I don't know what his contract is exactly, but I know he was an undrafted free agent. Um, but there's a lot that there's a lot of turnover that could happen with this Jacksonville Jaguars offense uh, moving forward. And, you know, there's no guarantees with James Robinson. So uh, as much as I love him, like I, I love watching James Robinson play, but, um, you know, you, you really don't know where he's going moving forward. So I think this is a perfect opportunity to uh, take advantage of that and sell him because like, like you said, if you're selling him, you're getting a, you're getting a 2021 first rounder, like no questions asked. And like for a guy that you, you got off the waiver wire, like that, that's awesome for you. So um, yeah, it's, it's really just dependent on uh, whether you need him or not. If you don't really need him, I would definitely be looking to sell him.
0: Yeah, 100%. I, I totally agree with that. Now, I want to move over to another rookie running back who also, I mean, he was drafted in the third round, so he didn't like come out of the shadows or anything, but he's been balling out and he looks every bit of a really good running back in the NFL, despite people not thinking he would be able to because of the number 33, which is the amount of carries that he got in college. And that is my guy, Antonio Gibson. Tyler, we talked about this yesterday on the buy or buy sell podcast. I said that I believe Antonio Gibson will be a top 12 running back in half PPR from week six and on, Uh, we have a huge $5 bet on that. So hopefully Antonio Gibson makes me $5, but uh, that is only for redraft, not dynasty purposes for dynasty, considering the fact that like the Washington football team is probably going to get a different quarterback next year. Um, The coaching is going to remain the same, but like they've gone through a bunch of different changes this past year And maybe they start to look at another running back I'll wait uh, to get your guys' opinion on this before I talk my opinion on it. So Antonio Gibson, obviously his value has pretty much skyrocketed due to the way he's looked and his usage. Now he's someone, given the fact that he was not a sure thing coming in, is he someone that you would also be looking to sell or are you just riding the Antonio Gibson train until the wheels fall off?
1: I will be riding that train. I, I love Antonio Gibson. I love everything about him. Um, he's a guy that I really liked in college. When I watched his tape, he was, I mean, I hoped he'd get a little bit higher draft capital, but honestly, from the very beginning, Ron Rivera was glowing reports about Antonio Gibson. He said he could be the next Christian McCaffrey, even though he didn't exactly say that, but he kind of did not say it too. And so you look at how he uses his running backs And he really likes to have that bell cow guy. And while I do believe there's a chance they may bring in another guy just to kind of spell him a bit. I do really believe in Antonio Gibson. I think he's extremely talented. He does have work to do as far as his running, like his rushing goes. He's not, doesn't have the best vision, but when you talk about a guy who has Saquon Barkley speed scores and runs four threes and is 230 pounds, like you just, you can't build a running back better than this. It's it doesn't happen. So What I would recommend to people is if you can buy Gibson after maybe a couple bad games, I would still be looking to do that. I think he's like, I think he's locked and loaded. And I think having Ron as the coach there is going to do wonders for that team to help just bring them together and keep that, keep that team just focused, right. Rather than dealing with turnover and all these issues. So I'd hold on to Gibson. I would buy him if I could. Um, maybe not for a first, but if you can try and you know flip a few players, maybe a couple of picks, try and hold on to that first. I would I would do it. But Gibson is definitely someone I'm holding on to for the future.
2: Hundred percent. And um, you know, it's not only Ron Rivera that's very high on Antonio Gibson. It's Scott Turner, their offensive coordinator. I think that's that's what builds confidence for me. Uh, if I were an Antonio Gibson owner, uh, to hold on to Antonio Gibson moving forward. And I think that Rivera. And Scott Turner are both uh pretty competent coaches and I think that they'll they'll be uh in Washington for the long haul. So um I think that if they're there, uh this offense and this team overall uh ascends because it, it can't get much worse than it is right now. And like I, I'm I'm buying Antonio Gibson. Like I, I did not I'll be honest, I didn't know much about him uh before the draft and uh after the, the Washington football team drafted him, but um you know what I've seen from him in the league like he he has uh really wowed me so uh Antonio Gibson is definitely someone that I'm I'm very high on moving forward and if you have him like I think that you should definitely hold on to him if you don't then I think that you should definitely uh take advantage of someone uh who is contending and may not uh like that he has like a few bad weeks which could definitely happen this year because like I said, the Washington football team isn't, isn't that great right now. Their, their offensive line isn't, is, uh, isn't very good. And like, he could have some quiet weeks. So uh, I'm definitely looking to buy uh, Antonio Gibson moving forward.
0: Yeah. He's someone that like, if I could attach, I mean, if I had like, I don't know, I love this 2021 class so much, but if I had like a late second round pick in James Robinson, I would try to trade a late second in James Robinson for an Antonio Gibson. That might sound like an overpay, but I don't really care. I think Antonio Gibson's upside is still massive. He's shown everything you wanted to see. I feel like he's checked all the boxes thus far. I mean, he's like separating himself in the backfield, which is good. He's separating himself from Peyton Barber and JD McKissick. I would hope he could do that. And he's done that so far. He has a vote of confidence from his team, and the usage keeps going up every single single, like every single week. The the usage shares and like he's just getting more targets, more rush share, and all that good stuff. He's has all the makings of a workhorse, and for redraft, I'd buy the hell out of him right now. And for Dynasty, too, I would send over a pick. I agree with you, Jordan. I don't think I would send a first because I love this class so much. I mean, the receiver talent, top-end running back talent in this class is just – there's a lot of high, high upside guys that are even going to be going at the beginning of the second, uh, end of the first round. And those are players you kind of want on your team. Um, And one thing that I think gets misconstrued a little bit with the draft capital that Antonio Gibson got – I mean, people were just – there was Antonio Gibson haters on Twitter this year, and they would just – For like whatever it was it would discredit him oh he wasn't drafted till the third round he only had 33 carries in college whatever he's a better receiver than he is a running back um they don't understand that one memphis runs a really gimmick offense or they did with mike norvell and that obviously changed now that mike norvell is in florida state but two i think the thing that really matters to me is the washington football team had chase young as their second overall pick and they didn't pick a player until Antonio Gibson. So it sounds to me like they were lucky that he fell to them. And this is the first pick from the Ron Rivera and Scott Turner era, where this is the first offensive weapon that they took. So they obviously believed in him and they're going to continue to do so. I don't think it's like uh, they struck gold. It's like, they felt like they were lucky to even get him to slip this far. Kind of like the Ravens felt with JK Dobbins, because if you go back to the senior bowl, you'll get quotes from Scott Turner talking about like, wow, Antonio Gibson could be special. In the NFL. So for all intents and purposes, I think Antonio Gibson is a buy in whatever format you're playing in. Um, it sucks that he plays for Washington, but at the end of the day, that's what you're gonna have to deal with. That's where the touches are, and that's where he's gonna be. And there always is the chance that this offensive line improves, the receivers improve, and the quarterback play improves. And I mean, people have been waiting on that to happen for Joe Mixon, but maybe Antonio Gibson doesn't have to rely on that because of the usage that he's been getting. I mean, he can do things in the running, in the passing game that a lot of running backs can't do. So he's someone that could very, very quickly become a really highly touted fantasy option. And talking about really highly touted fantasy option, just a guy that I want to talk about because there was notions of a running back by committee and whatever, and there has been none. He has taken over. He looks like every bit of a superstar that everyone who was touting him wanted him to look like. And he impressed me. That is uh, Miles Sanders. Uh, Jordan, I know you were telling me, I said he wasn't completely there yet as a football player, um, at least from his rookie year. And now looking at what he's done through the first five games, maybe the production has been spotty because their offensive line is hurt and Carson Wentz has been garbage. But Miles Sanders is a superstar in this league. He He is... I mean, I don't want to rank running backs right now. But he's, for my money's worth, a top 10 running back. He's so good. He improved in every area that I wanted to see him improve. And he's here to stay. Miles Sanders is one of my bigger risers because he is taking that jump from being a sort of fringe-ish RB1. I think he's locked in as an RB1 for the next three to four years.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think I think that was our discrepancy the last time I was on the show was I was I believe I had Josh Jacobs still ahead of miles sanders but i had miles sanders basically right behind him and i'm kind of in the same boat right now um even though that back when we did that pod that was when miles sanders was like haywire for value he was like a top 12 pick he was like rb7 or rb8 off the board and kind of like i believe we talked about last time as well joe mixon is he's just i don't know what it is he gets the touches but he's just not the guy he's not what everyone wants him to be before it was, well, will, will he get that extension? And he got that extension. So then his value kind of stayed where it was. And he still hasn't quite produced the way that we hoped he would. He's not getting involved in the passing game. Even his rushing game is it's been okay. You know, we hope it improves, but Miles Sanders has done a lot with very little and he did pretty well against those Steelers, Tyler. I mean, I know you're watching that game. So (laughs) I, I, he, he did, he looked pretty good. I mean, at least for me, I'm not, a massive believer because you look at what he did and it was great, but it was, you know, mostly that one big run. And that's what kind of secured his value against a really, really good defense that honestly blew him up all day. And I think it's just going to come down to can Philly fix that offensive line because it's plaguing Wentz it's plaguing Sanders. It's hurting the receivers. It's hurting Zach Ertz. Cause he doesn't have time to get down the field. It's it's hurting all these weapons. And I don't know where to value Sanders right now because of that offensive line. It's clearly having a massive dramatic impact on all those players, not just Wentz. And I think that for my money, I still like Sanders. I think he's supremely talented, but until he has an offensive line that he can really use rather than just dodging defensive ends all day, we're not going to really see how good he can really be.
2: Yeah. That, uh, that 75 yard run on that third or nine, definitely caught us off off guard in the, uh just like oh whatever but um yeah Miles Sanders has definitely looked great he uh Doug Peterson was touting him as a workhorse all throughout the offseason I don't think people really believe them because like Devonta Freeman was available and everyone was touting him as the next uh the next guy in uh in Philadelphia because they they just wanted them to believe that but no Doug Peterson has continued to double down on his take saying Miles Sanders is going to be the workhorse moving forward uh not only this year, but like beyond that. And, you know, they're dealing with some injuries on the offensive line, but uh, as long as I think that if those, it, the injuries are going to stay there because I think Brandon Brooks is out for season. Um, I don't know the status with Jason Kelsey. He might still be in there. Um, but if the offensive line isn't as good, then I think that they'll, they'll look to pass more and, and use, uh, Miles Sanders, the pass catcher, kind of as their run game more. So I think that either way, I think that he's kind of locked in as an RB1 moving forward. And when that offensive line comes back, like he, I think that uh, third, like year three, we really see Miles Sanders blow up to be a guy that that's in like the top six, because uh, we've seen Doug Peterson run a very good offense before. And I still have a lot of confidence in him. Not so much in Carson Wentz as of right now because like he's just been very very choppy. Uh, maybe that has to do with the offensive line and the receivers that he's throwing to. But overall, just the decision making for Carson Wentz has been um, very inconsistent this year. But um, overall, I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm still confident in Doug Peterson in this offense and Miles Sanders.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think eventually the offensive line will get figured out. Philly's always had, I feel like a good offensive line so long as they've been healthy, but obviously injury has become a concern for them over the past few years. And maybe we'll see them to start invest more uh, money-wise and draft capital-wise in that offensive line like they did with Andre Dillard, but maybe those players end up staying healthy. Um, you definitely want to see Miles Sanders having a healthy offensive line, but the usage is what I love. If he can't run the ball, they're going to throw it to him. If they can't throw the ball, he's going to run the ball. It's He's going to be used any one of which ways. And he's probably the best weapon in this offense right now. Uh, waiting for Jalen Rager to come back. I'm very excited for him. But since uh, we're kind of coming to the end here, I do want to get predictions on who do you believe, say, I don't know if we're going to do like, right, Jordan, next time we'll get you back on. Maybe like in like five more weeks, we'll do like a trimester sort of thing or maybe like a mid-season review. Who knows? But Let's say over the four, next four to five weeks, uh, I want your predictions on one or two guys that you think could be the biggest risers um dynasty related at least over the next 45 weeks.
1: Uh so one big one for me is AJ Brown. Um I I don't think that he's necessarily got the respect that he deserves. Obviously it's only been it's only been one game so far and there's still a lot to go, but I do think that he showed in one game when he supposedly banged up potentially hurt, maybe not going to play, he was the guy and he's he's going to be the guy whether we like it or not. And another guy that I think probably that most people are on. Most people like them, but we talked about kind of these rookie receivers that I don't love to buy. But there's only one. There's only one guy that I'd buy that I don't think is overpriced, and it's Justin Jefferson. Um, Justin Jefferson is supposed to be the next Stephon Diggs. That's what they draft him to be. That's what he showed in weeks three and four, going over 100 yards. And this week, he's playing the Falcons. What better matchup could we possibly find than a starting wide receiver with four four speed against the Falcons? That should be at least one one more 100 yard game. I'd say you know maybe two touchdowns, depending on how Madison plays. Um, I do think Justin Jefferson is a great option right now. I think he could be, you know, a guy who could really win you some weeks. Obviously he's widely owned, but he's a guy I really believe in. I believe in his talent from the beginning. I said of all the receivers in the class, not named C. Lamb, Justin Jefferson probably has the highest floor. I think he's shown that already. I think he's supremely talented. He can get open. He can win inside, outside. Um, And as long as Kirk Cousins can get him the ball, he's going to be great going forward.
0: Yeah, for my fantasy team's sake, I really hope Justin Jefferson has that breakout week this week because I relied on it last week. And I was very, very lucky to come away with a win because Justin Jefferson did hurt, but it was raining. And what I love about them playing against Atlanta this week is I don't even know who's home or away, but both teams play in domes. So there's going to be no rain holding uh, Justin Jefferson back. Kirk Cousins hopefully will throw him the ball. Um, Tyler, before I go, I want to hear your two or one or two uh, risers really quick.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with two rookies here. Um, one of them, one of them is a receiver and that's Jerry Judy, because I I don't believe that we've really seen his like I'm here game. I think that he's definitely still the number. I think he's the second most talented receiver in this rookie class. And I think with drew law coming back, I believe this week, I don't think that this week will be the game against new England, but moving forward, I I really think that Jerry Judy could have the game where he, he lets everyone know who he is and like, what, the talent that he really has moving forward. So I think that Jerry Judy's uh my top pick there. Um, another guy, J.K. Dobbins. Like, I, I really believe that he's going to continue to get more touches moving forward. And in this run-heavy offense, like, I really – like, he's making the most out of his touches right now. And, like, I, I think that they're going to continue to feed him the ball because, like, this Ravens offense is looking to contend. And I think that in the second half of the season, they're going to start to utilize – uh they're better players moving forward and i think that i think that jk dobbins is better than mark ingram right now as a runner so um yeah i really like jk dobbins moving forward i think that he's a buy low in in dynasty and redraft so
0: yeah you already know how i feel about dobbins Uh, i love him i love jerry judy's talent i'm excited to see both those rookie receivers i will one-up you guys and add another rookie receiver into the conversation T Higgins, Um, he's for some reason, for some odd reason, I have a gut feeling with T Higgins that there's going to be a breakout game for over 100 yards and a touchdown, maybe not a touchdown, who knows, but over 100 yards coming soon. And I don't know, just the way he wears number 85, Joe Burrow wears number nine, I get like Carson Palmer, (laughs) Chad Ochocinco vibes from them. And T Higgins, he's a dog, like when you watch him make plays up and down the field, he makes like tough plays. Just tough catches. He'll he'll fight for extra yards even when he knows he's going to get killed. I just like T. Higgins' game. Um, the other player I was going to talk about is J.K. Dobbins. So, I mean, if you want to throw that guy in there for me as well, absolutely, we'll both be on board with that. I do think Antonio Gibson takes a step forward, but I talked about that a little bit. Um, another player that I'm interested to see how he continues is LaVisca Chenault. Jordan, I know – uh, I was wrong about LaVisca Chennault. I wanted him to go for 400 yards and 10 touchdowns against the Dolphins, and it didn't. It didn't happen, and I was very disappointed. He got like five catches for like 30 or something. It was, uh, it was bullshit. Whatever. That was um, supposed
1: to be the game. That I was, I was really that was game. supposed to be the game, and it was. I mean,
0: listen. I'm just saying they are playing. I believe who is it? Detroit this week. Um. And so yeah. LaVisca Chennault, Hopefully, DJ Chark is able to play. I feel like that offense's wheels just fall off when DJ Chark does not play. Um, but if DJ Chark is healthy, I think LaVisca Chenault will assert himself as the 1B in this offense. He just looks super explosive with the ball in his hands. I really like the way he plays. Like everything we thought Cordero Patterson could have been in the NFL, LaVisca Chenault I think actually will be. So it's, it's going to be fun to calm. watch. It's going to be fun calm. to watch, Visca. I'm Scary. a big fan of his and Uh, Yeah, the Jaguars have no direction, but I think Visca is one of those players that he's going to be there to stay for the foreseeable future. He's got at least three more years after this year, and he's someone that, I mean, I think he's gotten like two games over 60 yards in a row um, after that whole Thursday night football debacle. So he could definitely take a step forward, and starting this week against Detroit, um, hopefully DJ Chark plays. That's all I'm going to say. When DJ Chark is there, it changes the offense, and it opens things up for Visca underneath. And he is dangerous. Um, outside of that, I really do like J.K. Dobbins, Tyler. I'm I'm all on board with the Ravens finally coming to their senses and realizing what they have on their team. Like it just makes sense for them to get him involved because the running game is not as dominant, and you need a good running game to kind of take the pressure off of Lamar Jackson. Teams are really honing in on him, and if you can get Dobbins getting splash plays like left and right, especially outside like outside zone runs, it'll be huge for that offense because they the running lanes are not really there, and that's the problem for them right now. And obviously, Lamar needs to be a little bit more accurate throwing to Hollywood Brown. But I think, once again, they'll get there. It's a long season. They're going to work their way back into the Super Bowl contention, Super Bowl favorite conversation. Uh, the offense has been lacking, but that defense is still legit. Patrick Queen, one of the best young linebackers in the NFL. And. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Jordan, once again, thank you. I know we're running out of time here. Thank you for coming on. And maybe maybe four to five me. weeks, uh, we'll do like another review to see who was right, who was wrong. I'm super confident in A.J. Brown because, I mean, he's just a beast. When you see what he did last year, see what he did on Monday or Tuesday night, uh, there's no questions anymore. A.J. Brown is here. He's here to stay. Crazy him and DKF, uh, DKF, him and DK Metcalf uh, played together in college and did not accomplish anything. But they will accomplish yeah. a lot in the NFL So with that said, uh, go A.J. Brown, go G.K. Metcalf, and uh, bye, J.K. Dobbins. That wraps up our sort of mid-season or trimester-esque Dynasty Risers and Fallers episode. If you want us to answer your questions, make sure to ask us on social media. Our social media accounts are linked in the description of this podcast. And once again, thank you for listening to this podcast. And if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button.